I want to talk this morning along the lines we have been talking about. Um, you know, your relationship with God, how many of you know it's more than just church attendance? Amen. In fact, church attendance is, I like to think of, it's not a very masculine picture, but I'm mostly a cheerleader, okay? <laughs> because when you come to church, it is supposed to encourage, it's supposed to exhort, if necessary, it's supposed to correct, you know? We don't like that part of church sometimes, but it's, if it's going to be a good church, it needs to happen, see? <clears throat> but 90, 95% of your relationship with God ought to happen outside of these walls, and the whole point of the church as an organization that Christ set up, the church is supposed to teach the young, mature believers into a place to go from milk to meat. See, so what is, what's milk? Milk is food that has already been digested. See, so you are, a, a church is designed to bring someone from the sincere milk of the word of God to someone that's able to digest the word of God on their own and see real churches they do not what they are designed to do is not to make people dependent on them but rather make them dependent on him so there ought to come and this happens in our church a lot but for other, for more than one reason but Church is not supposed to be a place where Christians get babysitted into heaven or into glory. See, churches are supposed to be a place where they come in from the world, they get born again, they get fed, they get encouraged, they, they, they have milk for a time. See, my, li my little baby girl, Caitlin, she's still in that milk phase, right? But she is starting, and she has been for some time. You know, she likes pizza. She likes... Uh, she likes cottage cheese. She likes grapes. Okay. Daddy gives her chocolate when mom's not looking. <laughs> and she's less and less. And she's got those teeth now. <laughs> Don't put your finger in her mouth. She will bite it. She's got, and she's growing up. And she is starting to become less dependent on mom. Okay. And that's what the church is supposed to be. It is supposed to take people from one place in their walk and grow them up to the place where, and, and this is, a, a, a church is not doing its job if you are always dependent on who you're listening to. Okay. If you are not in the messages and in the services and, and by what they're teaching you, if, if, and, and I'm saying this not just for your sakes here, but if you're listening to somebody, because a pastor, really, <laughs> if you listen to uh, whoever you listen to on TV, that's a pastor to you if you let them feed you, okay? If somebody is constantly making you dependent on them, on their gifting, on their ability, on their understanding of the word, if, if the only understanding of the word that you have from someone is that you've listened to their messages, but you never have a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with your father yourself, your relationship is vicarious through that person to God. In the same way that a child's life is vicarious through the mother to whatever it is she's eating. See? So if the mother is eating good food, good nutrition, you know, sound things, that gets passed on to the baby. But what if, 
what if she's not? <laughs> you know, what if, what, if, what if the mother's not doing, and let's, let's just make it really extreme. What if the mother's smoking, drugs, okay? Different habits, those things get passed along to the baby as well. And so the idea of growing up or maturing, if you're always needing another fix from mom or from a pastor or from somebody you listen to, to get encouraged, you know, what did David do? He, he would encourage his own soul, wouldn't he? See, he would, he would talk to himself about the goodness of God. He would talk to himself. He would encourage himself because there's going to come times and there's going to come seasons where there's no one you're going to turn to except him. See, and that's, you know, he's your father. Amen. Let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter 4. I want to talk about the heart. Praise your father. Proverbs chapter 4, we'll start here in verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now that word issues, you know, when we think about issues, we tend to think about like, uh, like oh, you need to deal with your issues, you know. But issues has more to deal, it's, it has this picture of a river, a river. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, okay. Let thine eyelids look Look thine eyes, look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Now I want to break this down a little bit. Okay. My son, intend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Verse 21, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy, what does your Bible say? Heart, okay? Does it say, it doesn't say keep them in the midst of thy mind. It says keep them in the midst of thy heart. What is the difference, okay? The difference is you can have an intellectual understanding of who God is, but it not have any heart. It not have any, well, what did James say? Faith without works is dead. Uh, knowledge without application. What's examples of knowledge without application? I've read plenty of books on how to fly. Do I know how to fly? Would you trust me to fly you? <laughs> oh yeah, I've read every book there is. How many hours have you logged? Zero. <laughs> See. Do you want that guy flying your plane? See. I have gone to, let's, let's what if medical school only, they only taught you all the parts of your body? Oh yeah, I could tell you what that is. Can you fix it? No, I've never touched a scalpel. <laughs> See, I was watching. It's amazing what the Holy Ghost will do. The Holy Ghost, do you know he is a tutor? He's more than just a teacher, he's a tutor. What I mean is, he knows how to take exactly what you know and give you pictures to teach you the Word of God. 
I don't mean that he teaches you your own version of the truth. There's only one version of the truth, okay? But what he does do is he takes what you have and he relates it to the truth in such a way that he'll digest the word for you. And uh, I was watching one of these videos. There was this, uh, it was on YouTube, and this big bodybuilder, really big bodybuilder he had. I mean, if you'd look at him, he looked like Schwarzenegger. He looked like the Hulk. You know, arms as big as, you know, your leg. <laughs> just, and he just looked so intimidating. And he challenged this. I think he was like a judo expert. Okay, now I'm not advocating any kind of martial arts. I'm just telling you what the video happened. Okay, it happened in the video. And you looked at this judo expert. He he had, I mean, he looked more like me, honestly. <laughs> he wasn't really, you know, you couldn't see all the hours in the gym. But this guy that was the judo expert, he had been in the ring before. He had fought before. He had, you know, he was well acquainted with the mat. He was well acquainted with taking somebody down. This other guy, all he knew yeah, he worked his muscles, but the only thing he ever did with him was, you know, you know, weights don't really fight you back except with gravity. <laughs> and this, this big bodybuilder looked like the Hulk. He challenged himself, beat him no problem. You know, he thought he'd just muscle his way through it. And this, with, within minutes, the judo guy had him in a lock. That guy was patting the floor, all 250 pounds of that just 100% muscle. The guy was done because... Even though he, he had all of the necessary physical equipment, he had not spent any time in the ring. Everybody with me? Okay. This judo guy, he had less muscle, but he knew how to use it. And in the same way, you can have, maybe you have, maybe you've not read every book on flying, but maybe you were raised, your dad was a pilot, he let you fly all the time. You know, I don't know however that works. And you kind of get a sense for, I'd rather be with that guy than the guy that's school trained and never been in a plane before. Same. Well, what am I saying here? Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Okay. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. And that word issues is it, a picture of a river the river that flows out of you, the habits that flow out of you, the, uh, the patterns of behavior, the, whether it's a weakness or a strength, it flows out of the heart, not out of the mind. See, hmm. Anybody ever had a, tried to reason somebody out of a stronghold <laughs> or tried to reason somebody out of a behavior? You know this is self-destructive, don't you? Yes, I do. Do you, do you notice how, even though they, you can reason it with them, there's still something in them that's a stronghold that produces that behavior, okay? Um, there is a diligence that we are required to keep with our own heart, okay? we're, we're required to let our eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. I want to go to, we can go to Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to pair this up with the New Testament scripture. Hebrews 11. Most of you know this verse. Okay. 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which appear. Now, he gives you quite a few examples in the lineage of faith in the Old Testament. Let's look at a couple in particular here. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive after for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. And by faith, he sojourned into the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now, faith is the substance of things, what's that word? Hope, hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. In James it says, faith without works is dead. You can have an understanding of what the will of God is supposed to be in your life. But if there is no, if it remains an intellectual theory, and does not get rooted in a lively hope in your heart, it will produce no change. See, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We are called to walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, So when, in a walk of faith, so often the way we try to walk by faith in the word of God is we'll read a promise in the word of God or we'll read his word to us. Or maybe he has even told us what he has called us to do in this life. And the words that we have from him for our life, they remain an intellectual theory, but there is no hope applied to that understanding. It remains only intellectual. It remains only word. It is like words on a page. It's like books on a shelf. You say, yeah, I can reference that. And we have equated, we have equated faith with the knowledge of the thing. Faith is not the knowledge Faith is the doing of it. See, without, without works, the faith is dead. Without the hope, the faith gives no substance. So if you have, let's say you have the word of God for your life or you have the word of God written here and you are trying to stand in faith. See, what was the word of God to Abraham? Let's use Abraham as our example. The word of God to Abraham was, first, the first thing he had to trust God with was Go. Where? I'll show you. He had to trust that, that what he said to do, he was actually going to do it. Now, <laughs> you know, I could just see Abraham, he wrote down the word he got from God. He says, oh yes, I know that word of God, here it is. But do you know he actually had to, he actually had to get up, pack up all his stuff, say goodbye to all his family, go through the process of cutting off all those gods, and he actually had to just, here we go. I, where are you going? God's supposed to show me. That guy's nuts. That guy's nuts. That guy's nuts. <laughs> you, you know. Oh, and then the next one, this one would take the case. Now, this is what God does. He grows your faith and your trust in him one step at a time. Okay? We like to try and believe God for the moon, and, and you haven't even believed God for your car <laughs> you, know, I, you know what I mean you haven't even taken the first steps you ha he said go into a place I'll show you did God do that for him yes he did amazing 
amazing. And the wealth that he gave Abraham, the establishment that he gave Abraham, all of the, you, you can read through all of the stuff that he was blessed with. And, and God prospered him and gave him favor everywhere he went. Now the next thing that God, in the timeline of things, says, I want you to have a son. <laughs> now we've been doing this, all right, we'll just do it again for thoroughness sake. Hold your place, if you have one of these ribbons, hold your place in Hebrews 11. And go over to Romans uh, chapter 4. This is so important because so often we're trying to, with our faith or with our relationship with God, we're trying to get him to change the outward circumstance. And even though that may be important to God, more importantly, what God is trying to establish, instead of trying to get the cart before the horse and change the outward circumstance, he wants to change the heart, which is causing the outward circumstance. Is everybody with me? He's wanting to fix the inside so that the outside is always producing and issuing out like a river, the life that's on the inside, see? So Romans chapter four, and we'll start in verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, you're not going to go very far in this life calling things that are not like they are and people won't start to think you're a little crazy. So if you want to be like your father, you're going to have to speak out in faith some things that maybe aren't currently there. That's okay. They won't be laughing when they start to show up. <laughs> but this is what God does and this is what Abraham does. Okay. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope, now who are we talking about here? We're talking about Abraham. Against hope, believed in hope. What was the hope he had to believe against? See, so you know, faith works by hope. Faith, and, and we're not gonna talk so much about love today, maybe we'll get into that next week, but it's faith is the substance of things hoped for. So when it says right here, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope. What Against what hope? In other words, Abraham had a period of 80, 100 years where he had not had, he and Sarah had no children, right? That's a lot of natural, physical evidence staring you in the face that says this is 100% impossible. Impossible. See, and even Abraham, he had bouts of unbelief where he says, well, maybe it'll come through, maybe it'll come through Hagar. Right? Was that God's will? No, it was not. <laughs> no, it was not. Okay, but look at, look at this process that Abraham goes through. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. So the hope that Abraham had to have, which was really a, what he's saying here, it's the hope that, he had in place of the hope of his experience. See, God said, you are going to be a father of many nations. That hope had to come to a level in his own heart that it eradicated, superseded, transcended the evidence of what I know to be possible, which is that we have never had a child and I don't see how we're going to being as we're both ancient, <laughs> right? 
Now, but this was God's word to him. Thank goodness it's maybe not God's word to you, but, but whatever God's word is to you, do you know that it's God that gets to perform it? Your job is to have the faith for it. See, it is not our job to try and do God's job. It is our job to believe that God will do his job. Sometimes I think it's harder <laughs> to try and get your hope and your heart over to the place where God says all things are possible. Believe what I said. You, that is, do you know, it's not the kind of work that you get to go. I can't measure that kind of work. I can't go out, you know, like if I were to, like if I was going to go build a shack, I could go out there and I could measure and I could, see, I could see my progress. But how do you measure the progress of somebody's heart that goes from, I can't believe that's possible. Okay, I'll admit, I'll admit that God, you could do that, but I don't see how you're going to do that with me. Till, to the place where he became, we're going to read it, who against hope believed in the hope that come from God. Against the hope of his situation and against the hope of his experience, he believed in the hope of God's word that he might become, he might become the father of many nations. Now, look at the cooperation that occurs here between Abraham and God. If God could just kind of snap his fingers and make them have a child, there would be no hope, no relationship, no, no, nothing required here. But that's not how this worked, was it? And, and that's not how God works with you. He's, he's not just going to drop something on you. It is by faith that we please our Father. Amen. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. I still read that and I just marvel at the faith of this guy. Didn't know Jesus, didn't. All he knew was that God, the creator of everything, was talking to him and he believed. This guy's all alone. Who else has he got to look to? He doesn't have the prophets. He doesn't have anything written. Where, where, where does this come from? I marvel at this kind of faith. And I, I, I mean, we're all children of Abraham. I, I want to be like him. Amen. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. In other words, I don't care if I am ancient and I'm 100 years old. If God said it, it's possible. And he's going to use me. That's incredible faith. Incredible faith. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy be seed be, being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body, now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not. Now you can find other places in the word of God where they did stagger. And did they receive what God wanted? No, they did not, okay? It is not <laughs> God's will. God's will flows through the funnel of faith. See, and if there is no faith there, he has to use other things. <laughs> he has to use other things. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. Every time I read that, those two words, they just pop out of me, fully persuaded. Can we say that together? Fully, fully. Persuaded. persuaded. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think he was fully persuaded when he tried to make that promise happen with Hagar? 
I don't believe so. I don't believe so. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, that being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. What I love about God's word is that even though you might start out in a place of weakness, even though you may start out in a place where you don't trust God, do you know you don't have to stay there? You don't have to stay there. I think too often we like to pretend, oh, I'm not weak in faith. Don't tell me I'm weak in faith. If I am actually weak in faith, I want to know. Because Jesus had no qualms about telling his own disciples, yeah, it's because of your unbelief. <laughs> it's because of your weak faith. It's because of your little faith. See, so if it is little faith, and if it is little faith, then I want to know so that I don't stay there. Don't pat me on the head and patronize me and tell me I'm okay if I'm not okay. See? But what I love about the word of God is that those people that even though they may have started out in weakness of faith, maybe they started out in small trust, and just like a child, God does not expect you to trust him with the world, trust him to receive the moon on the first day. He expects you to grow in faith and trust. See, in that one place, we're not going to turn there, but in Matthew, Jesus said, it's because of your unbelief when you prayed for this boy. But what was the parable he gave afterwards? He says, but if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'd say, you'd be able to say to this mountain, be removed, and it would obey you. Now, so oftentimes people think about the size of a mustard seed, and they think, well, if you just have a little bit of faith, well, he just got through saying it's because you have too little faith. So why would it be the little bit of faith? See, what Jesus is saying there, if you have faith as, everybody say as, A-S, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'd be able to say to this mountain, be removed. So what he was really telling his disciples at that point, look, I understand it's because of the smallness of your faith. You, when you prayed, God's will wasn't done in this situation. But here's the solution. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'd be able to say to this mountain, be thou removed, and plucked in the sea, and it would obey you. No, if it's like, if it is like as unto a grain of mustard seed, everybody knew that a grain of mustard seed, even though it starts out very, very tall, or very, 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 very small, like a, like a, you know, you can't, you'd lose it in between your fingers. If you plant it, they all knew those things grow like weeds. And they grow super fast. And they'll grow six feet in a growing season. You know, it's like, for me, it's like the dandelions. I can mow them off one day. And I come back out the next morning and there they are again. And, and, and the devil ought to be able to come mow you off. And then the next morning, there you are again. I mean, he's just, why, why is it when... <laughs> see... It's not the size, it's what you do with the picture on the inside of you. It is the heart that's on the inside of you. That, yes, I may be small in faith, but that's not where I'm staying. I'm going to be like a grain of mustard seed. I'm going to grow up quickly. So the picture Jesus was saying is, yes, it's because of your unbelief, but look at this. If you be like this mustard seed, you will grow quickly in faith. So, okay. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, which was a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, and he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded 
that what he had promised, he was able to perform it. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Hmm. Let's go to... uh, Okay, I just have this thought to keep going there, and so we will. Um, I got to find it, though. Yeah, everybody go to Matthew 17. I want to just show it to you in the Word of God. Matthew 17. Now, we'll, we'll go through this whole picture here so that, uh, that we get a full picture of what's going on. Jesus was just coming down from the mountain of transfiguration, and he had brought up uh, Peter, James, and John up with him. And the rest of the disciples were at the foot of the mountain. And, and a father had brought his, uh, you know, what, however you want to call it. He was a lunatic boy. He was possessed. Brought him to Jesus, okay? And, and Jesus wasn't there. It was just the disciples, okay? And we're going to start right here. Hmm. We'll start in Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and into the water, and I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Now, most of you already know what happens in this story. Tell me yes or no, what was God's will? Was it God's will for him to be healed or God's will to stay that way? Yes, it was God's will for him to be healed, right? Right? So then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, You don't ask a question if you know the answer, right? They honestly did not know why this had happened. And do you know, they had been through others. They had, these are the same guys that were sent out into the towns. You know, they prayed for the sick. They'd seen Jesus do all kinds of miracles. I mean, if you've seen Jesus raise the dead, make, you know, fish and loaves multiply, does your capacity for believing what is possible kind of get stretched a little bit? Right? So, They prayed for this boy and believed that they were going to see something occur and nothing did. And they come ask him, why could we not cast him out? Now, I pray I can be as honest as Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Do you know, the truth may not be as touchy-feely as this culture likes it, but you know, you're going to be, you're going to be shortchanged in the end. Give me the truth. Don't, you know, don't placate me. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me the truth. You know, <laughs> when I when I first got married, uh, I wasn't sure what the rules on things. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes when Nat would experiment cooking, was it, uh, how was it? Oh, it was, it was good. <laughs> it was good. It was good. <laughs> you know. That doesn't give her any honest feedback of what, <laughs> what I think about the meal. And if you tell somebody, oh, this is great, they'll make it for you again. <laughs> right? <laughs> T- 
See, we want the truth, we just don't want to be offended, and that's not always how it works. <laughs> there has to be, you know, Proverbs says, a wise man loves instruction, loves correction. And there was, I, I regret to say there were times where I would ask for people's input, and then I would regret asking for their input. <laughs> Sometimes the truth, because it's the truth, we get, how do you know when it's the truth when you get really upset about it? Because, <laughs> you, you know, a lot of us are afraid of some of those truths and we don't like to hear some of those insecurities come from somebody else. But if you want your heart to issue out clean water, life-giving water that produces change, that produces new habits and new behaviors and things that tend to faith and love and joy, then you have to be willing to receive the correction that comes when God speaks through somebody to you. And you have to be willing to receive the correction that comes, most importantly, from the Holy Spirit himself. See, I have all knowledge. I'm telling you right now, I have all knowledge about how to live healthy. I could live to be 100 if I wanted to with the knowledge I have. I still go home and eat the M&M's though. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. There was one, I, most of you know this testimony because the Holy Spirit will mess with your business, okay? And especially, so I was putting one of his promises in my mouth and I was saying, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna live to be an old person. You know, and if you read Proverbs, that's part of, follow, if you follow wisdom, he says, I'm gonna add years to your life. If you're wise, I'm going to add years to your life. I, I would just proclaim, I'm going to live to be old. I want to be the oldest person here. You know, I just want to, <laughs> I want to have a long life, a long life. And I kept saying that, I kept saying that, and I kept saying that. Do you know what? When you put the word of God in your mouth, you're filling your heart with the truth. But you are also giving the Holy Ghost what he needs to put you on the path towards the truth. Do you know knowing the truth and being on the path towards the truth aren't just the same thing? If you, see, and one time, I, I remember, I would, I would just say that every once in a while. I'm going to live to be 100. I'm going to live to be 100. And one time I went up to reach into the cabinet. And it was, incidentally, guys, I've, it's, it's uh, Valentine's Day, two days from now. I saw that downstairs. <laughs> if you go downstairs, there's Valentine's Day stuff. So if you guys don't remember, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> anyway, that's a guy joke. But one of the Valentine's <laughs> things that my wife got me, she got me one of those giant Hershey Kisses, you know, size of a, a fist. And they're just, they're not hollow, they're solid. They're solid all the way through. They're, it's really difficult to take off a chunk of that. You know, like you just, how do you break it? I managed to get through it in like three days. Okay, yeah, yeah. So some of you know that's not good. Now I went up there to reach for it and I heard this, and I'd been confessed, I'm going to live to be old. I'm going to live to be 100. And I heard the Holy Ghost. He says, not eating that, you're not. And I stopped. And I walked away, and an hour later, I came back, and I grabbed it again. <laughs> now, if that isn't the flesh, I don't know what is. See, you can have the knowledge of the truth. Doesn't mean you're going to bear the fruit of the truth. You can have the Holy Ghost screaming in your ear, ear, your ear 24-7. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. He doesn't need to do that. You already know what's right and wrong. Are you going to do it? See? And there's nobody, you know, on Judgment Day, if I get there 
<laughs> if I get there and I die early at 55 because I ate way, 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 way too much sugar, it's not going to be God's fault. It's not going to be my wife's fault. You know whose fault it's going to be? It's going to be my fault. It's my fault. And there's, gonna, there's, no, there's not going to be anybody else there but me. And God's just going to say, look, you got, you got a good chunk done, but you had a good chunk more to go. What'd you go keep eating that stuff for? I told you not to. And he knows. You know when he tells you stop. See? I've had him do that for, for me with movies, for all kinds of things. You know, those, that little voice in the morning, he says, don't you, you've seen four hours of television. Let's put it to rest. You know, there's no change without change, amen? Now, look here. And Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for verily, I'll, I'll, I'll get in verse 19, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Now, I don't, I'm just gonna, I hope this will turn the light on for somebody unbelief and the flesh are brothers they are brothers F the flesh will build against your faith in god if you t if you war against the flesh you, you will increase your faith in god okay the flesh and unbelief they're 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 conjoined twins they are they're the same they are the same the flesh only understands what it sees and what it likes and what it feels if you are led by sight you are led by the flesh you are not led by faith or or belief at all okay so <clears throat> because of your unbelief for verily i say unto you if you had faith now notice he doesn't say the size but he says faith as faith as likened to a grain of mustard seed you'd say to the mountain remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you in verse 21, it says, Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting deal with the flesh. See? Now, let me give you a picture here. What did, what did Abraham have to overcome in order to receive the promise? Romans 4 tells you quite plainly, he had to get to the place where he did not consider his own body now dead. He did not consider his own his wife's body now dead. In order to receive that promise, he had to get to the place where he didn't stagger at the promise because of who they were. It's because of who God was. They had to get to the, he had to become fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. Now look at this picture here. In, in Matthew chapter 17, what was this boy doing? Okay, <clears throat> we'll start here in verse 14. And when they came to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire and, to the, and into the water, and I brought him to the disciples to cure him, and they could not. <clears throat> what kind of show were they witnessing? With, here's, here's my point. If you had somebody like that that was that messed up, that they would take them own, their own selves and try and drown themselves. Picture this. Somebody, somebody's knocking on your door and they have somebody that you, they want you to pray for them. You. Here, pray for my son. Look, look at him. He, he drowns himself. You have a fireplace. Don't let him near that. He'll throw himself into it. Are, are you going to be taken back a little bit? <laughs> like... Holy cow, we need more people here than just little old me. I can't do this. 
And see, right there's the problem. It's not a question about you. It's a question about who's with you. And if you are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, who's with you is God himself, the Holy Spirit, who has all power, who is full of authority and might. It's not your job to cure that guy. It's your, God. It's your job to believe God to cure that guy. So if somebody's brought to you, you don't look at the outward appearance. And see, this is why Jesus was saying, he says it was because of your unbelief. And he says, prayer and fasting will help with this. Why? Because it moves you out of a place of dependency on your eyes and what you see and the flesh and everything that is in this line of thought in the flesh and unbelief. And prayer and fasting takes you into a place where you are, you are choosing to believe God instead of what you see what you believe is possible see because of your unbelief notice the love in in jesus's the answer here he doesn't just give you the problem and not give you the solution he says yeah it's your unbelief you bunch of sinners i just got to put up with you he says no he says look at this if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed the kind that grows rapidly in a single season it can go from a speck into six feet see You'd be able to say to the mountain, remove, and nothing would be impossible to you, okay? That's not some kind of self-empowerment verse. What it's talking about is if God has something he wants to accomplish, not your own flesh, okay? If God has something he wants to accomplish, then if you have faith in God's word like a mustard seed that grows rapidly, you'd be able to do anything God said he wanted to do. It doesn't matter how big it is. And even if, you know, Abraham, he came to the place where he says, I believe God can do this in spite of myself. You know, that's, that's the kind of faith that I want to go from point A to point B. But the road to that kind of faith, it doesn't come with the understanding it comes with the application. It comes with the doing. It comes with the proving. It doesn't just come with, you know, like that judo fighter and that, that bodybuilder. The bodybuilder had way, way more stuff to use, but he had never stepped foot in the ring. He'd never used any of it. See? And that judo guy, he's, he, had no, he had nothing to work with Harley, but he had everything up here in the ter- in sense of he had all this experience that he could call on. See, Let's go to one more. We'll go to Luke chapter 6 and we'll be done. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I hope the picture is clear. See, so often when we, when we fight a battle, or we fight circumstances, or we're trying to believe God's word. You do not believe and fight with God's word in the arena of your mind. You fight and believe with God's word in the application of it. See. God has a promise for you that you're going to live a long life and that wisdom will add years to your life. You have to obey those instructions. If God has wisdom for you that you're going to walk in peace, Do you know what? You have to forgive your neighbor. He has instructions for you and they're tailor fit for you in his word and you also have the Holy Spirit who's sent to lead you and guide you into all truth. Luke Luke chapter six. We'll start in verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. 
For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. See, it's do you see the or, the progression? The heart, the man, brings it forth. See, an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's very easy to kind of, and this is the picture I have. I see this heart on the inside of us that the Holy Ghost is desperately wanting to heal. He's desperately wanting to prune and to purge and to take those things that steal life and he's wanting to draw them out and remove them from the heart. And usually where we stop short is we don't really change this. Okay? We end up hearing messages and hearing the truth and we put those like books on a shelf. We put those messages, we put those truths, we say, oh, and then the next time somebody says, you need to walk in forgiveness, we say, oh yeah, I already know that. And it's no coincidence that a couple verses before this, he says, see, you keep trying to pick out specks, but you're missing your own beam. Because you can have, like they did, you can have a knowledge of the law, but, but do you keep it? See. A good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree will be known by its own fruit. <clears throat> a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And that brings us full circle back to what we were talking about in Proverbs where it says, keep thy heart with all diligence. I just want to meditate on what that means for a minute. Keep, to keep your heart with diligence I brought this up here because um, there's something Natalie and I have started doing. Anybody ever received something from the Lord that you believe is a word for your life? See? Or, or you know, now sometimes people will give you a word and, and it's your job and your and the Holy Ghost's job to say, is that for me? Okay? And um, I've had people give me words that I didn't really necessarily respect that person. But afterwards, the Holy Ghost said, that was me, and you need to receive it, okay? And, and then there have been times where I've been in my own prayer time, and I've, I've received things that the Lord has shown me, or he's given me dreams. Do you know it is my job, my job, to take the truth that he has given me, not just in this word, but the truth that he has given me for my own life, what my calling is, and it is my job to tend that truth. It's not my job to just know it. It is my job to have my heart like a compass fixed on it, to have my hope set on it, to have my heart filled with those pictures that, that with, when faith, how do I say, when faith finally comes, the hope is fully there, see? Because faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. So the hope in your heart has to reach a place of fullness 
so that faith gives substance to what is said. Okay, so let's go to, um, or not let's go to, I'll show you, I'll read this uh, to you that my wife and I, we, I wrote this up, and I'm not going to read it all to you, but I just want to read a part of it to you so that you get an idea of what we're believing for. Okay. Okay. I'm going to read this part just to you. This is, and we have two pages of this that we wrote up of the words that God has given us. And we've been trying to say this every night. Now, when we say these things, we're not, we're not just mindlessly saying them, you know, like drones. <laughs> what we're doing is we're trying to put a picture of hope in our heart. We're trying to give our heart the building materials to believe what God has told us he can, he's wanting to do in our lives, okay? So one of these paragraphs, this is what we wrote, and this is what we say every night, okay? And, and we, I really try to be actively, hopefully, intentionally there. You know, you can read something and not be there. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> All right. But you're wanting to put hope in your heart. You're wanting to, f see, because it's your job to tend the heart with, your, with diligence. If you don't tend it, if you don't put things in there on purpose, you know, that's what TV does. It puts things in your heart on its own. You know, the books you read or whatever, the people you hang out with, it's going to put things in your heart. Okay, whether it's division, whether it's strife, whether it's immorality, okay? You can't keep watching sexual promiscuity on TV and then expect to have clean thoughts while you're walking through the mall. It's the, they're going to come, okay? So it's your job to maintain your heart and put in it what is the truth. And this is what you see in Jesus. Everywhere he went, he was a different picture of the truth than what everybody else believed, you know, he say that one girl, he says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they laughed at him, it says. See, that's okay. <laughs> so here, we say this, this is one paragraph. Holy Spirit, you are always with me. You never run out of the gifts. I know that you're seeking to work the gifts through me and I am increasingly aware of your promptings. Now, why am I saying that? Because there's times where I feel like I'm not. But I want to say those things that be not as though they were. I'm gonna, I, mean, I hear his voice very well all the time, okay? Do you know if you will bookend your day with saying things like this, your mind starts to be geared towards these things, see? Holy Spirit, you're always with me. You never run out of the gifts. I know you're always seeking to flow in more of the gifts through me, and I am increasingly aware of your promptings. You flow with me in every gift that is needed, whether I'm in a service or I'm running errands or even just talking on the phone. The gifts flow through me all the time, every day, and it's fun to see God touch so many people. I love seeing the miracles and the healings that you do through my hands. I love giving the words of knowledge and wisdom that you speak to my heart. It is so much fun to flow with you every day. Now, do I see that happen all the time right now? No. But what I'm doing when I say that is I'm pro I am proclaiming the promises of God that the gifts of the Spirit be manifest in my life. And do you know by tending to my heart and putting the truth in my heart, it's painting a picture in me that the Holy Ghost can work with. See, in the same way when I would walk around, strut my stuff, and I'd say, I'm going to live to be 100 years old. I'm going to live to be 100 years old. The Holy Ghost could say, yes, you are, and here's how you're going to do it. 
you're going to not eat all that chocolate. <laughs> and do you know, he will do the same thing with the truth because the Holy Spirit anoints the truth. Now, can you go rock around, say whatever you want and expect the Holy Ghost to back it? Absolutely not. He anoints one thing and that is the word, see? And if you are on the same page with him, he has no problem getting, <laughs> he, he wants to co-labor with you in getting the Father's will accomplished. That's why he's here. So when you put, when you retrain your mind to be thinking about what's the Father's will today, I wake up and I say, what's the Father's will today? And I know this much from what he's told me about our life. Now that was just one paragraph, but we have like six of them. My mind, I am intentionally, instead of watching a video or a show or something, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say, mind, this is where we're going to live. We're going to live here. We're going to put this in our heart. We're going to think about these things throughout our day. And do you know what? It's not going to be too long where we start going throughout our day and we're going to see those things because our mind is filled with the hope and faith will give substance to it. Amen? You cannot have faith without the hope. And you cannot have hope without, <clears throat> as, Abraham, as it says in Romans, hoping against hope. The hope that's on the inside of you, whatever it is, things are always going to be like they have been. Never going to change. Always going to be the same. We're never going to accomplish anything different. I've always been like that. I've always struggled with that problem. I'm always going to be in bondage with that. I just learned to accept it. Yeah, that's exactly the way it's going to be. See, but if you choose to hope against hope and uproot that lie and plant the truth, you're going to see a different fruit. And it's going to issue out life and not issue out the death, like Proverbs says. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, I, I pray you make sense of that for each person here. I thank you that you take what was said and that you, you're such a masterful teacher. I ask you for bringing your wisdom and, and giving your pictures and your uh, visions and dreams to each and every one of us that they would start to see how this fits in their life and in their walk that we can progressively be uh, our own responsibility take charge and be diligent with our heart what we allow in it and what we put put in it and what what we give place in our heart father father i ask for you to yes okay let's just say this together we're going to give the holy spirit permission to, uh, to help us, okay? Father God, I ask you for your Holy Spirit to tap me on the shoulder every time I am not being diligent with my heart. Check me, Father, every time I'm not doing what I should be doing. And check me, Father, with those things you've told me to do and remind me afresh. Renew your instructions to me. Help me to remember the things you've said that I have forgotten, that I have dismissed. And I purpose that if you tell me again, I'm going to be diligent and I'm going to keep my heart and I'll do what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. And I can vouch for him, he will do that. He will do that. The, the amazing thing about God is, do you know he never gives up on you? He never gives up on you.
you can fail a thousand times and he'll still come say, we, got, we can still fix this. <laughs> I could go, it's, it's, it's uh, Valentine's Day again. If she gets me another one of those giant Hershey kisses, we're going we're gonna to do it right this time. <laughs> See? We're going to do it right this time. <laughs> I know you did one day. I'm going to give it to the kids. <laughs> no. I'll give it to, go to grandma's house. Here you go. <laughs> no, we're going to, moderation. I, I know, I always know what to do. That's what the Holy Ghost was sent you to. But you know, unfortunately, he doesn't have the power to make you do what he says. <laughs> Amen. But he will come. And, and, and when he comes with that little voice and says, let's, let's fix this. He'll, he also provides the grace to step into that and change. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for your grace and your strength as we go this week. And we just ask that you, like we started out saying, Father, grow our relationship. That next day when we come together, we're more like you than we were this week when we came together. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. All right, thank you guys for coming and you are dismissed. <laughs>